What's up, everybody? This is Caleb Pepper, the voice of Fenwick on The Nominal Tales, and you're listening to our podcast. We are honored you chose to tune in. We hope you enjoy our homebrew D&D 5e game set in Brendan's world, Telosia. New episodes drop on Mondays. That's enough for now. We have some dice to roll. What you are listening to now is an adaptation of a previous episode we have made to recap our adventure up to our launch point. Our later episodes on this podcast will feature our live play together, so hang tight if that's what you're here for. I firmly believe this story is worth your while. And now, on to the episode. Episode 14, Bannockborg Bound. The Diamond Dogs pull an unconscious Cillian Vredi from his holding cell within the now-empty Orcish stronghold, as the denizens inside had completely ravaged themselves in a bloody civil war, now resulting in the death of the entire tribe. Wreck, having delved further into the stronghold with the other Diamond Dogs, notes a great axe in the clutches of a chieftain and takes it for himself. The dogs return to the Putrid Mire, now with the goal of returning to the city of Lindo, to complete their mission, clear their names, and make for the city of Bannockborg. After a while, Cillian begins to regain consciousness, and the group sits down to rest and interrogate Cillian to find out what he knows. Cillian, first thanking them, informs them that he has uncovered a Lanfany plot to engage in human trafficking stealing people away from tribes, or having indebted themselves, or assuming to be dead or missing, and selling them overseas, having been tipped off by multiple different sources, each helping him fill in a piece of the puzzle. Apparently, this information was enough that Lanfany had potentially set up a fake correspondent, allowing the cornering, capturing, and potential slaying of Cillian Vredi, who is now terrified to continue seeking the story out. Eros, knowing something of the Vredi family, inspires Cillian to do something to finally prove his value and worth, living up to the name of his family and exposing Lanfany for what they really are. Cillian becomes emboldened by this and agrees, saying that he could expose them and have an article written in a way to help keep himself safe, pretending to be in a city he is not so that he could go on with his investigation. The group recommends he pose as if he's writing from Bannockborg. After plotting the article, the group continues to make their way back to the city of Lindo. It is on their way that Fenwick receives another message via the sending spell, this time from Aveline. Fenwick, Fenwick? she says, I have some, I information, have some information on, on the, that Stratmore you told me to check up on. I'll be in the city of Bannockburg soon. That is your home now. See you soon. And he responds in kind, telling her that they will be there as soon as they can be, but to expect him in a few days but to expect him after several days. On their way back, Athena makes advances towards Mardigan, but Mardigan shuts down these advances, claiming that he's not interested. After a while, the Diamond Dogs arrive back in Lindo and complete their mission, now with the directive to finally make for Bannockborg. It is here that they reunite with Brambrock III and Greg and share the story of the Mire, as well as their need to get to Bannockborg as quickly as possible. Brambrock informs them that he has secured a secret charter on a Lanfany airship to do so off the books. 
they are to leave the following evening under the cover of night. Stowed away as contraband, not to make their way into Lanfany public knowledge, but rather the captain's secret bribery. The dogs, having one last night in Lindo, decide to make for the dapper rhododendron once more for another performance by Scarlet, and Eros ends up meeting her, as she is pretending to be a waitress, and they arrange a performance together. The rest of the dogs sit while the very inebriated Val, who is delighted to see them once more before heading back out to sea the following morning. In her ramblings, she throws her strong arms over Mardigan and tells him, you need to chase the storm. Later that evening, Eros and Scarlet, having wowed their audience with their impromptu performance, decide to take a walk together and muse on the difficulty of life in the spotlight before Eros must return and prepare for the long flight the following day. Once ready, the party boards the flight privately, with the captain willing to turn his back to make sure he doesn't see the faces of the cargo being added to his airship. During their trip, Eros asks Fenwick to begin teaching him Sylvan, and the two partake in some lessons, and Eros begins learning the basics of the language. After several days' travel in the stowaway quarters, the ship arrives in the aerodrome in Bannockborg, and the party departs in secret, jumping into a covered cart and riding into the city. Once here, both Fenwick and Cathed seem to come alive in their own respects, Fenwick wanting to head to Brulnorths, and Cathed to the Cathedral of Camaria. Before allowing the group to decide on anything else, Fenwick takes them by Elowen's Emporium and General Goods, where he slyly introduces the dogs to his father, Archer Thorn, a well-respected tailor in Bannockborg. There, they also meet Fenwick's brother, Luca, who is learning to be a tailor under Archer. They also meet Elowen herself, and have some goods they recovered from the putrid mire evaluated by her. After finishing up, and being invited to dinner by Archer, the group makes for the Cathedral of Camaria, where Kethed introduces them to several of his higher-ups, including one whom he refers to as his mistress, Sister Thasia, a seer who is capable of looking into the past and present, and sometimes future, of those that happen by the Temple of Camaria. Sister Thasia, whom seems to have some resemblances to someone else they had met prior, another female with stark, white, silvery hair, is actually the younger sister of Isabella Irongard, whom they had met on the Harrowed Horizon before landing in Lindo. After making this connection, they head towards the office of the Archbishop herself, and it is here that the Diamond Dogs meet Archbishop Myrena Marklare of the Lunarium, the first person ever of drow descent to become an Archbishop within the Church of the Principles. She thanks Kethed for returning and completing his mission, as he bestows unto her the mithril ingot that he had gotten from Brambrock III. Brambrock, tickled to now meet the Archbishop of the Goddess he serves, says that he was delighted to be of service, and the Archbishop shares news with Kethed that they might have some need for him to travel eastward, for a terrible illness seems to be ravaging a village not too far from the Almerian border, a small town called Allenton, and the local priestess there has asked for help specifically from the Church of Camaria. Kethed, somewhat put off by this news, makes one final stop in the cathedral before they head out to Brunorths, and meets up with his small friend, Katya, a human girl who works in the kitchens, who is plagued by some sort of genetic deformity, in which the bones and tissue of her face seem to have sunken in and caused her to look deformed. This, never having bothered the half-orc, caused the two of them to become quick friends, and Katya, seeing Kethed, 
whom she calls Eddie, jumps into his arms and gives him a large hug. And the two of them plan a playdate in the park, to which Kethed invites Rek to as well. As both Katya and her younger brother, whom the temple folk call Champ, will be spending the day tomorrow there for some rest and relaxation after their journey. After saying their goodbyes at the temple, they now make for Brunorts. The Diamond Dogs decide to meet up with Aveline Beaumont, who is waiting for them in a tavern just outside of Brunorts called Great Minds, who believe that Great Minds drink alike. Upon meeting up, they grab a table in the back of the tavern and catch up with Aveline, who, after small talk, reveals to them that she has made a recent discovery on Stratmore, the person Fenwick had asked her to check up on, so he could reach out to about something important. She relays that she has checked in on him, and her organization has denoted his magical signature, last used in a rather notable way to the east, closer to the Almerian border, near the small town of Allenton. She says that it was a significant enough spell that they picked it up rather easily, suggesting powerful magic had been used. The dogs, not quite sure of what to make on this information, decide on next steps, and Fenwick expresses his desire to speak with some of his colleagues at Brumlots, to which Aveline shows a real aversion to, having been expelled there in her fifth year, something Fenwick remembers well. She says that she will meet them back on the bridge before leaving the city proper, once they are done. Before they leave the tavern, Fenwick recognizes someone sitting at the bar and heads over to converse. It is none other than the headmaster of the school itself, Professor Gustave Moreau. He seems very enthused that Fenwick has returned, and inquires if he will be taking back his post as an adjunct professor at Brunorts, to which Fenwick respectfully declines. Well, in that case, Moreau sighs, though clearly not disappointed, I believe Bezzywiz has what she calls an exciting opportunity for you. Make sure you stop by and speak with her, he finishes, before ordering a drink from the bar and blinking out of existence. Fenwick shows the dogs around Brunorth for a short while, and then has them stop by Professor Bezzywiz Featherhead's office, who is in charge of the School of Archaeology and the Humanities. Here, Bezzywiz, a rock gnome with a big ego, offers Fenwick a job as a field sage, an honorary position that pays fairly well, and would allow Fenwick to continue to use the resources of Brunorth to his advantage whilst being away from the school physically. She does speak of her interest in any findings on the Disciples of the Phoenix, a deal the group has already made with the archivist Diggleby Happy Petals, back in Kurzburg at the Coastal Archive. Eros and Kethed seem very distrustful of Bezzywiz, mostly for Fenwick even entertaining the idea of breaking off a bargain with Diggleby. But Fenwick accepts the position, the deal, and offers up some items they had found in the Lost Temple in the Putrid Mire. Bezzywiz, moving on to formal business, says that they have also heard about the strange illnesses gripping the town of Allenton to the east, and that Fenwick's first assignment is to travel there, discover the cause of this illness, and see if he might be able to bring it back for further study at Brunorts, which conflicts greatly with Kethed's private conversation with Sister Thacia, who told him the greatest thing he could do would be to destroy the source of whatever is causing the illness. After making the agreement and receiving payment, the dogs head outside of Featherhead's office and proceed to have an argument, Eros and Kethed informing Fenwick that he has made a mistake and that they are upset at his decision. And Mardigan hangs back inside Professor Featherhead's office and asks her if she's ever heard the name Skialissa before. She admits that she regrets having never heard it and begins asking questions. Over the course of the conversation, 
she informs Mardigan that it sounds like an entity that would likely hail from the Shadowfell, and likely would be very powerful indeed to communicate from across the plains. She warns him, but also seems almost gleeful at the thought of contact with the planar entity through Mardigan. Mardigan rejoins the group in time to join Fenwick's side of the argument, and he and Kethed exchange choice words. Kethed, after listening to Mardigan, admits that he and Mardigan are not unalike. Mardigan laughs at this, but Kethed begins to tell some of his own story in the form of the phrase, as have I, revealing that he has murdered before, that he has had someone he loves dearly murdered by another close to him, and that he also intends on extracting revenge on that person before his days are through. Mardigan seems taken aback and somewhat shocked by all this, only then to hear Kethed say he also fully intends to bring back the person he had lost one day. Mardigan, not knowing that this was possible, asks if he would do the same for him, and Kethed responds, as long as it is in my power to do so. Yes, and the two shake hands as the group leaves to reunite with Abilene. That's a wrap on this episode. And can I just be the first to say thank you for tuning in? Seriously, we would not be where we are without your support. In fact, I'm going to be bold and ask you to please rate and review our podcast. By giving us a five-star rating, you're helping us get the story out to more people. If you want to be the real MVP, you can share our podcast on social media or with your friends or your grandma. Well, maybe not grandma. Unless she's super awesome, then share it with grandma. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time on the Nominal Tales Podcast.